Well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. And they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state. And the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on the promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. Hey, 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 what's the buzz and tell me what's happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo coming at you for another episode of the Pyro Light Podcast. Today is Friday, October 16th, and this is episode 14, and we are heading into the midst of week six. As usual, you can find the wealth of the Pyromaniac crew on iTunes, we're on Spreaker and Stitcher as well. Now, folks, if you dig us, please take a few moments of your time and subscribe. Leave us a review as well. We would certainly appreciate it. It helps us to get notice and it provides good karma to you. Here's a few a few recent reviews. Dan Siebold says these guys crush it. If you didn't listen to Pyro before the season, you missed out. They go into much more depth than all the other podcasts. Trust me, I've listened to them all. These guys not only helped me crush all of my drafts, especially the early summer MFL drafts, with the great stats and analysis, but they also have better weekly analysis. More importantly than any of that, it's just better to listen to. Entertainment value is through the roof. Keep up the good work, guys. Val Verde. Why, thank you, Dan. Folks, I think you know now that I'm uh, doing the lights from school many times, so I can't crack open a Valverde, but I know I've got me a Founders IPA sitting at home, Beer City USA Grand Rapids, Founders IPA, it's that Centennial Hops, it is just up my alley. Let's do one more review before we get it going. This is Killer Tufu, I got your back. You guys are awesome. If there is a reason why you guys haven't gotten more reviews, it's because that people have found you and don't want to share you with their league mates. Hey, I get it, Killer Tufu. He goes on, that pyro knowledge is solid gold. Have a Valverde for me. You guys rock. Travis in Louisville. Thanks, Travis. We're going to keep it coming for all the pyromaniacs out there. If you guys want to check out what I'm slinging, check me out on Twitter. 
at pyromaniacmo. That's all letters. P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. You can check out the rest of the Pyromaniac crew at Pyromaniac. It is P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. And before we get rolling, let's hear from DraftKings. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Just pick up your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion have been won at DraftKings this year, and you could be the next big winner. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code PYRO. P-Y-R-O. All new users to DraftKings receive a deposit matching bonus for up to 600 big ones, which releases at the rate of play, and a free $3 game voucher. That's on DraftKings.com. Use the promo code PYRO. P-Y-R-O. And let's recap a bit. By the way, folks, I forgot to mention a couple things here before we recap last night's events. We uh, had the intro music, the band, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, They were doing a Springsteen classic there, Atlantic City. band is just great for um, doing covers and really making it their own. Uh, I love Levin Helm, the, the vocals on the intro there. He does a great job, and they are just one of my all-time favorites. And I believe that was uh, some of the stuff they were spitting back at the house at Big Pink. Uh, good stuff. So, as we get rolling, um, you can tell by now, because you've been graced with my beautiful voice as I'm bringing you into the late-night sounds of the super sexies with my silky smooth voice, that I'm the only pyromaniac here coming at you this week. We've got Noonan flying drug missions down in Colombia, D-Rex that is. Uh, We've had a few other boys that are under the weather, and they're getting all ready for the big extravaganza, the 200th episode show coming up next week. Uh, I've got Houdini off on the east coast of America trying to be an Avenger and and save the world. So you're left with little old me. Now what I'm starting to do, though, is I'm going to expand this. I got Stags coming back here pretty soon. I got got him on an episode. We're going to hear from Valverde and some of the other pyro guys that you may read but may have not has heard lately. So we're going to be kicking over the light and I'm going to be continuing to do my interviews and spread the goo throughout all the pyromaniacs. So last night we had a treat, the Thursday night game. Saints came out like a team fighting for their life. Even Billick, Coach Billick reported from the field during warmups and he said he saw the fear in their eyes. They took care of business. Falcons came into their house, and the Saints gave them their first loss as a parting gift. So after last night, Falcons are now 5-1, and one, Saints are now 2-4. and four. Breeze and his tight end, wait for it, wait for it, Ben Watson, both played their best games of the season. Now what I noticed, before we get to BW, was that the Saints defense, Rob Ryan, you know, I must admit, he had his crew fighting like mad hornets. Matt Ryan dropped back a total of 51 times. He was hurried 20. Uh, the Saints piled up five sacks and knocked Matty Ice to the ground, trying to shatter him six times. Ryan finished 
connecting on 30 of 44 passes for 295 yards and two TDs. So a decent fantasy day, but certainly we saw a recipe to get him flustered worked well. Um, Freeman, he continued his onslaught and display of dominance. He ran the ball 13 times. Now, according to NFL.com, he finished with 100 yards exactly. So for those of you that get the 100-yard bonus, you're hoping that that number stands. Sometimes they adjust those after the fact. Uh, Freeman scored once on the ground, caught eight passes for an additional 56 yards, and scored once more through the air. We said it was coming. Tevin Coleman saw some action, looked good, honestly. Um, and not much to cannibalize, really. You know, four carries, and he totaled 40 yards, so looked really good. Uh, on the limited production he got in, Julio, despite questions surrounding his health, he finished with six catches for a Falcons receiving high 93 yards. My boy Hankerson there, he only got four balls for 37. And fear the walking dead, folks. We had a Roddy White spotting. I'm pleased to say he is alive. Eh, maybe not well, but he is alive nonetheless. He caught three balls 23 yards, and the brother got in the end zone. Way to go, Roddy. On the Saints side, Breeze was an accurate little monkey, wasn't he? He completed 30 of 39 passes for 312 yards and a touchdown. Now, the vast majority of his focus centered on B.W. Ben Watson. Old Ben caught 10 passes for 127 yards and one uh, touchdown. Really should have been two. Breeze tossed one a bit high in the end zone. Uh, in the post-game interview, he actually apologized for it, saying he wanted to get him another one. Sneaky Sneed, he only caught four for 55. Uh, Cooks, who many owners, your humble host included. Cooks, you know, we were hoping that he was getting back in the swing of things. Week five, he had his best game of the season, 107 yards and a TD. Well, he regressed back to his pedestrian self last night, grabbed four passes, and finished with 41 yards. Ingram, he was a force on the ground. He ran the ball 20 times for only 46 yards, uh, caught three for an additional 10, but the big thing is he crossed the goal line and did it twice. Spiller only had seven touches for 27 yards. I know many owners were hoping that after his week four performance, it was a sign of things to come, but alas, twas not to be. Bottom line, personally, you know, football to me is better when Peyton Manning is slinging it, and I miss those days already. Football is better when Drew Brees and the Saints are playing well. So honestly, it was good to see him alive and kicking. I like it when the offenses are rolling and Matty Ice is thrown and Brees battles back. That's what I like to see. You know, I'm not sweating a thing if I'm an uh, owner of Atlanta players. Despite the loss, the usual crew turned out their fantasy performances. Uh, next week, New Orleans faces Indy. In week seven, and Atlanta has Tennessee. Now, just to keep you real quick up into the uh, the Pyro League, I had a close one last week, but I did, alas, come out on top. I believe I am uh, the only one with only one loss. Um, this week in, yes, this week it is, the uh, Battle of the Titans. So I'm facing the the pyro-heavy crew, so we'll have to see how that turns out. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. More Pyro Pro League news to come in the next few weeks. Now, guys, before we get rolling with the Huey Lewis news and the notes, 
Just want to do a quick promo here. Remind you about the Pyro Pro membership. You get to fill out numerous teams and you can throw up to 30 players on each team. That means your guys, the ones you care about, are brought right to your dashboard. You get all of Dog's player rankings. You get each player that he ranks, we slave and labor over and we do a write-up for every single player. You get access to the resource toolbox, which is filled with analytics, uh, data points to help give you a leg up. You get the news feeds. We are updating this all week long. Valverde does a great job with the news feeds throughout the week, uh, typing in important stuff for each player. Sunday morning, Val and I are both on there. We're updating who's active, who's inactive, so it gets sent right to you. Anything newsworthy for a player, you're going to see on the news feeds. Now that said... This is to all you Pyro Pros out there. If you've got a player that you want more news feeds, hit me up on Twitter, at PyromaniacMo, all letters, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. Hit me up on Twitter and let me know, hey, give so-and-so some love, and I will be sure to add him, get him in on uh, the news feeds so that you don't have to hunt and peck. You are getting all the news sent right to you for the guys you want. Um... One of the big caveats, one of the big pearls that people love are the direct access. It's the second opinion questions. Uh, I think I answered a question last week. It came in, I'm not kidding you, at ten nine minutes before kickoff. I answered that thing in about two minutes. Uh, people are loving this. You can ask as many questions as you want, whenever you want, about startups, trades, uh, anything having to do with fantasy, and even not. I just don't know how good my answers will be if you're talking about marriage advice or where to buy real estate in the Bahamas. Fantasy, I can give you some help, and all the pyro crew is there. Uh, that is one of the best things that you can do. So if you want to just check it out, you don't have to become a full year member. You can do it by the month. You can do it by the week. See if you like it. And I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. That's the Pyro Pro membership. All right, guys, shall we do it? Some Huey Lewis in the news and notes. My boy in Motown, Ebron, he has been indeed ruled out this week. Looks like uh, Pettingrew might get a little bit of the action and Wright might get a little bit of the action. None of them really fantasy relevant. Uh, for set. I'm wearing my heart for set underwear again. Uh, he did not practice Thursday, but he did return to practice today. Clearly, that's a good indicator for his status for the weekend, but keep your eyes peeled. Bradshaw, he signed with the Colts. Well, he certainly knows the system. It's doubtful he's up to game shape as of this point. Uh, I'm not too worried as a Gore owner. This seems more like insurance, nothing because of, of Gore's play, but just as a backup option, maybe catching some passes, but I don't think it's going to eat into Gore's production too much. Deion Lewis, he popped up on the injury report all of a sudden on Thursday. This may be news to some of you guys. He had an abdominal strain, which was either caused in practice or aggravated in practice Wednesday, I believe. Uh, he was limited Thursday. He is currently listed as questionable. Did get through practice today. Now, from the sounds of it, I'd wager to say that he's going to play, but you never know with Wild Bill. This could be just precautionary. Or we're not sure, but definitely keep your eyes tuned there uh, to Deion Lewis, and we'll see what the deal is. Carlos Hyde, dealing with a foot injury, but he should be able to go from what I can tell off the Twittersphere. Lynch, 
back in action. Should be full strength, they say, this week. He got in a full practice yesterday. Foster, Arian, uh, he recently commented that he is now 100% mentally, which I think is huge. We've saw in the last two weeks, he's been getting better each week. You can see a more and more and more of the old Lynch there. You know, oftentimes, guys returning from injury, uh, they've got this mental hurdle that they need to clear. So if it starts to feel good and they mentally feel as though they can make those cuts, then that's going to translate to the field. That's going to produce fantasy goo come Sunday. Good for Foster. I've got him in some leagues, and I think he could be a good play this week, although Puzlesny, can't say that name, is back, but uh, we shall see. I kind of like him. We're going to talk about Foster a little bit later. Sean McCoy, guys, he is starting as of week six, so he will be in the lineup. That just came across Twitter today. TJ Yeldon, currently listed as questionable, looks to be a game-time decision, and reading in between the tea leaves, it didn't look great. Didn't sound great, uh, so we shall see with that one. Luck, all reports are sounding good. I know D-Rex reported that it may be a little bit longer than we thought, but hopefully um, he's had no setbacks. He has progressed better than they were thinking, and indeed he should be able to go. He was getting some full speed, full um, strength in his passes this week in practice, and he looks to be good for week six. T-Mobile, Tyrod Taylor. Um his backup, EJ Manuel, he's been getting all the reps in practice this week. Now, although Rex Ryan said you can't rule out T-Mobile, it's never a good sign when your backup quarterback's getting all the reps in practice. Keep your eyes peeled, but it feels to me like double T's on the bench and EJ Manuel's under center this week. Nelson Aguilar, he missed practice on Thursday and today, Friday. I'm nervous with guys that miss Friday's practice. However, this is a Monday night game, so they're going to get that additional practice tomorrow. So definitely see. If he can't go tomorrow, then I would think he's going to be sitting on Monday. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Sammy Watkins remained limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, although Sammy did declare his intention to play this week. Rex Ryan threw water on that pretty quick, saying it was not his call. So although he, Sammy, said he wants to be out there, Rex Ryan pulled the reins in on that one. Now, this is a tough one. If Sammy sits, I would generally kind of like the Harvin play because Harvin's got a great matchup with Dree Kirkpatrick. PFF only gives four cornerbacks a worse rating in coverage. However, the matchup could be good as gold. It's not going to matter that much if EJ Manuel's tossing the ball. So this is a real situational thing. If, if T-Mobile somehow can go and Watkins is out, I kind of like Harvin. He's got a good matchup. That'd be the only situation I might throw him, and that'd just be a GP play, GPP play at best, never a cash play. Um, ODB. His hammy is bothering him once again. Remember, Pyromaniacs. This is the same hamstring that kept him out of action last season for the majority of the first half, or I guess the first six games, something like that. The problem here, he plays Monday night. So while this nagging injury is burdensome, 
On one hand, he gets that extra day of rest, but it's clearly going to be the thorn in the side of his owners. We're not going to get the word, most likely, until after the games have all concluded on Sunday, and you're not going to have any opportunity to slide someone in. Now, here's where Pyromaniac Moe's got your back. As an ODB owner myself, I've already gone to the waiver wire in my league, just in case. Ruben Randall is indeed a free agent, and he's there. Just so you know... Ruben Randall's questionable as well. So I did some further looking. If indeed that's the case and both boys are out, hear me now and speak to me later. Hear me now and I will tell you how to bump you up. If those boys are both out, I'm kind of liking Dwayne Harris. He's getting some targets out of the slot. Now think about this. If Coach Kelly tries to take away Vereen, which he's likely to do, who do they have left if both ODB and Randall are out? Uh, Donnell, and I like Donnell this week. He's your only real pass option, and the only wide receiver pass option is going to be Dwayne Harris. So if ODB and Randall are out, I think Dwayne Harris could be a super sneaky pickup uh, DFS play. And indeed, I'm plugging in ODB into my lineup right now, and if he's not there... I've got Randall. Randall doesn't play. I'm moving down to Dwayne Harris. Another thing you guys can do, and it's something I always recommend, if you've got a guy that's questionable, plug him into your flex play. That way you've got more availability. You can, depending on what flex positions you can plug in there, you can pick up a guy off waivers, maybe a running back, maybe a wide receiver. Some of you guys do the tight end. Uh, you've got more options if indeed the news comes in that you can't use the guy you thought. So I'm plugging him in at the flex, going to Randall if need be, and my plan B is a sneaker, 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 Dwayne Harris. Uh, Cobb, he's been dealing with that shoulder. It's just been nagging him. It hasn't been getting better. Uh, he, he looks good for week six, but I'm fearing this could be something that's kind of continually popping up, um, although he's been seeming to play through it so far. So knock on... They would like surface. Alshon Jeffrey. This is the Pyromaniac crew's favorite kid. Um, he's only played one game this year, and I seriously doubt he's going to make it two this week. Now, even if he did, how much can you trust him? You know, would he be on a snap count? Uh, would he be playing the decoy role? Before I put him back in my lineup, and I do have him on one of my dynasty teams, I want to see either... A game, or I want to see that he's gotten in full participation practices during the week. He's not done that so far. He's been limited. Uh, there's no way I'm, I'm I'm plugging him in if he indeed is a go, but I'm not thinking he will be. Stevie, I eat glass for breakfast fists. Um, I know this is one ornery Tufts sob. But even the old Stevie came out today and said, "Quote: To be honest, my expectation of playing is very." Low. So you are looking at another Kamar Aiken game. Last week, without Smith, Aiken was targeted nine times. Nine times, Mr. Bueller. Bueller. Now he only caught four and he totaled 78 yards. He's got a great matchup against D Rex. This is for you, San Fran. Huh? I know all my San Fran contingent loves it when I tell him that. Uh, but he's got a great matchup against San Francisco. Kenneth Aker, who ranks in the bottom, bottom 20 for cornerbacks, according to PFF in coverage. 
Uh, so I like the matchup. I like the opportunity that he's going to be the number one on um, the team on Baltimore. He's going to be the number one wide receiver, and it's a great matchup. Demarius, Demarius T. The Broncos might limit his usage a bit. He's been battling injury. Now, I don't think it's anything that's going to keep him out of the game, certainly, but I could see him see them limiting him just a bit. T.Y. Hilton, he's limited in practice with the growing. Uh, I'm hoping he goes, because this would all be a part of my master plan. Um, I think if he does go, then I'm going to be liking some Moncrief. With the return of luck, could be a really nice game against the Pats. Um, Their D always tries, the Patriots' D always tries to take away an opponent's number one. So if T.Y. Hilton goes, they're going to focus on him, and that could leave some nice goo for Moncrief. Could set up a good day again as long as Hilton is there. This game has the highest over-under from Vegas at 54.5 points, so the game script is going to call. It is a necessity for Mr. Luck to put that ball in the air. So again, if T.Y. is going, I'm liking some Moncrief and some DFS, and I've got Moncrief on uh, several of my teams. I think that was one of the waiver wire pickups of the year. Um, if you've got some nervous Nellies out there because he had one bad game, go by that man right now. Cause he could literally by the end, he could be battling TY for number one wide receiver on that team. Flex appeal. Who's got some flex appeal for me? Uh, just talked about him. Come here, Aiken. Uh, for the time being, he's the number one receiver in Baltimore. He, now, I checked NFL Fantasy Leagues. Amazingly, this cat is available in 90% of NFL Fantasy Leagues. What are you people doing out there? Dog has Aiken rated in his top 30 for wide receivers. Remember, this is flex appeal. So a guy that you can pick up off the waivers and plug right into your flex spot. So Dog's got him rated in his top 30. He's a guy you can grab right now, start on Sunday. Uh, in the last two weeks... Remember, it was two weeks ago and Smith got banged up. So it's really a game and a half without Smith, but in those two full games. He averaged eight targets a game. This week he faces the 49ers. Only five teams have given up more fantasy points on a per-game basis to the wide receiver position. Only three teams have surrendered more receiving yards to opposing wide receiver number ones. There's only two teams out there giving up more yards on a per-game basis, to wide receiver number ones. And that is indeed what Aiken is. San Fran is giving up, have given up five touchdowns. They've allowed four different receivers to go for at least 90 yards, and four receivers have had double-digit fantasy days against them. K.A. Kamir Aiken is my flex appeal pick. If you're looking for some PPR prowess, I got two names for you. Chris Thompson. Now, despite only having two targets through the first two weeks, he now only has 10, count them, 10 active running backs in front of him. He has 21 targets in just the last three weeks. So he is on pace to be maybe even top five for running backs, uh, running back targets I'm talking about. We've got Matt Jones, 
who is currently listed as questionable. And it's kind of like Matt, Matt Jones and Alf are cannibalizing one another, but they're leaving Chris Thompson the passing. Kirk Cousins seems to look to him um, uh, coming out of the backfield. I su- suspect that continues. Another PPR prowess player, Duke Johnson. Pretty much along the same lines as a, as a Chris Thomas. Very similar to the running back by community we have in Washington. Now, just a side note here. I heard D-Rex stealing my community. I've been referencing a team that has three running backs, running back by community. Running back by committee is two. Running back by community is three. And even in my write-ups this week, I started talking about... Uh, I think it was running back by contingent. Some of these folks that have uh, four guys playing for them. Regardless, Duke Johnson, let me get back on track here. Duke Johnson, he's in a community there. But Duke only has six active running backs who have been targeted more this season. Six active running backs ahead of him. That's that's even more impressive. When you discover he wasn't even targeted at all in the first two weeks. He's got 25 targets, all of which came in the last three weeks. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Cleveland situation later, but if anything is solidified there, it's Duke Johnson in the pass-catching role. And look at Dunbar before he went out. That is a viable option in a PPR full PPR format. Look at Theoretic. In PPR formats, Theoretic is your guy from the Lions. He's a pass-catcher. We're seeing a lot of pass-catching backs really take on a major role in many offenses. Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, two of my boys for the PPR prowess. Now, you know me. I'm a streamer, and guys, if you really want to go to the streaming guru, take a listen to J.J. Zacharyson. He's the late-round quarterback. Uh, He's got some great stuff on this. But my picks for streamer of the week. Now, I'm doing this right now. I've got Big Ben Acosta's Furberger on a team, and I've been streaming. Once again, I talked about this last week. Guys, remember the goal of streaming is not to continually stream every week. The goal of streaming is to land a guy. The Pyro Pro League, I was the last one to take a quarterback. I took Palmer, figuring I would stream. I haven't streamed at all. I don't need to. Boom. I'm good. Uh, Those of you that got Tyrod before he went out, boom, you're good. Carr, eh. You're pretty darn close. The goal is to get a guy and not have to constantly go to the waivers, but as you can see with the quarterback position, very easy to do. I talked about this early on. One of the first podcasts, uh, once the season started, I said that Rivers had a horrid schedule out of the gate and that after, I think it was four weeks, things started to get better. I've seen Rivers dropped in a couple leagues, if indeed he is dropped and available. Great game script against Green Bay. If the Chargers are going to stay in this one, they're going to have to do it on the shoulder, do it on the arm of Rivers. He's going to have to put the ball in the air. Only two teams have more passing touchdowns than the Chargers, and only two teams have more passing yards. Against Green Bay, they're going to need to utilize all of that. So if Rivers is available, he's a great pickup. Rivers is not available. Guy, I'm riding for two weeks in a row if indeed... Uh, Acosta's Furberger's out again. Cutler picked him up last week. Very happy with him last week. And again, this week, Cutler faces Detroit. Now, week five, Cutler. He was your 11th 
quarterback. That's what I want out of a streamer, man. I want somebody who's going to be top 12. I mean, you had guys week week five. Josh McCown was your number one. Uh, Eli was your number two. Blake Bortles, number three. Um, Colin Kaepernick cracked the top 10. Brian Hoyer was there. Cutler, guys outside of the top 12. Carson Palmer, Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, uh, some guys that Matt Ryan, some guys that you would readily expect to see. That can happen, and I'm rolling the dice on Cutler again. Week 5, as I said, he was the number 11 QB. He finished with 26 of 45, 252 yards, and two touchdowns. The Lions, who he faces this week, are tied for giving up the fifth most passing TDs. No other defense in the NFL is allowing a higher quarterback rating. Man, the my, my beautiful Lions. I just said this out on Twitter, but there used to be the thing, the roar is restored. I think it is the snore is restored because... God, they look like they're just sleepwalking out there. But the Lions, when they face opposing quarterbacks, the opposing quarterback rank rating, QBR, 116.4. No other quarterback rating is higher. When I'm going to say this again. When teams face the Lions, their average quarterback rating is 116.4. That is the highest in the league. That could be Cutler. There's only five teams allowing more fantasy goo to the position. The Lions have four defensive players that are currently listed as questionable, and three of them are starters. In the last three games, Detroit's allowed opposing pass catchers to amass 43 catches, 603 yards, and four TDs. Cutler works some magic one more time. Now, wide receivers... I know it's not often that you're going to need to stream a wide receiver, but we've got an option here. There's a couple options, actually. But Marquise Wilson. Now, I already mentioned Aiken. Aiken's available in surprisingly a ton of leagues, but Marquise Wilson, he's available as well. Uh, Alshon looks to be out again this week. Royal also limit, listed it as questionable. Heck, even Josh Bellamy is listed as questionable. Wilson could be the last man standing in Chicago. Week 5. He was the Bears' leading pass catcher. He had eight targets, six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. If you're thinking about moving to DraftKings, he's only 4000 there. That's a great buy low, so you can spend some cash elsewhere. The Lions' secondary has allowed four touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. Three of those have come from cornerback Darius Slay, whom Wilson should see a large portion of this week. Then my streaming tight end, Larry Donnell. Now, especially, I talked about the situation with ODB and Randall. Especially if ODB and Randall are out, I'm really liking Donnell. Some crazy things. Donnell, top 10 in targets amongst all tight ends. There's only one tight end that has more red zone targets than Larry Donnell. And there are only two quarterbacks besides Eli, that have more red zone passing attempts. The game this weekend, the over-under is 49. I believe that's the fourth highest of the week. That's going to require some passing, and Donnell could be the recipient there, especially especially if ODB is out or Randall or both. Uh, Donnell's my streaming tight end. Defense, I got two for you guys. Minnesota. 
They face the Chiefs in Minnesota. Only three teams have a net and expected point total below 20 points, according to Vegas, and KC is one. In fact, the Sharps have them pegged to have the second lowest team score of the week. The Chiefs are tied for the most sacks allowed in the NFL. Their Chiefs are freaking given up 22 sacks so far through five games. Finally, the obvious point here, KC will be without Charles, the main offensive weapon on the team. In fact, Jamal has accounted for nearly 60, 69% of their offense. Speaking of which, I didn't talk about it, but one thing, I, I saw many an analyst this week say, Whoa, this Charkandrick West. I didn't even know he had passed Niall Davis in the depth chart. Well, folks, if you listen to the Pyro Light podcast last week, I was talking to D-Rex, and I said it. It was in my Huey Lewis news in the notes that Charkandrick West had indeed passed Niall Davis on the depth chart. Now, at the time, I thought it was just basically news for Jamal owners, now it's news for everybody because this is the biggest pickup of the week. Now, I still think I've had a lot of questions asked about Charkandrick West. I definitely think he's the pickup to go, but nobody's going to fill Jamal's shoes. I think it's going to be more of a running back by committee there. I think one reason, I mentioned this last week, one reason they liked West is that he's a better pass catcher than Nile Davis. Uh, so they like that. He's liable to get a lot of the work between the 20s when I think maybe West is going to get the red zone work. I still think Charkandrick West is going to have the better opportunity. He's going to have the higher score, but might be more of a committee than we thought. Now, either way, it's a great, great flyer. It blows up in your face, so what? But it, rare do we see a guy like Charles go down that is responsible for such a high percentage of his team's offensive output and have the opportunity to pick up his replacement. That's what we have in Charkandrick West. And I'm telling you, if you didn't get West, um, see if Davis is out there because it's no for sure thing. Davis could get the touchdown work. So anyway, that's a reason that I'm really like in Minnesota. They've uh, Casey has lost their big time weapon. Um, Minnesota is favored, and they're at home. Should be a good defensive game. The Bengals. Bengals are my other defensive one. Bengals are getting healthy. They've got players like Geno Atkins returning to form. Week six, they face Buffalo, who is without their starting QB in all likelihood. They're without their starting wide receiver in all likelihood. And they're without their, well, they were without their starting running back. Of course, McCoy's coming back now, and I'm not sure how great he's going to be. He wasn't all that great before he went down. But they are certainly banged up and hobbling. And the key here is EJ Manuel. That's going to be the big turnover machine. I think that's where the Bengals might be able to rack up their points. Listen to this. The Bengal, or I'm sorry, Buffalo has allowed 14 sacks. That is tied for seventh most in the NFL. Cincinnati, on the other hand, is tied for the sixth most sacks by a defense, bringing opposing gunslingers down 15 times this season. There's two streamers I really like, Minnesota and the Bengals. Switching on over here, folks. We got the two week two early two pick up. So these are guys that you can grab now for free in all likelihood that people are going to be clamoring for in the weeks to come. 
Now, folks, let's just take a stroll down memory lane, shall we? Christine Michael. I called him, I'm thinking, three shows ago, and I remember Stagg saying, no, no, it's too early. He's not going to come to the end of the year. Every week since then, there's been a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. The week, the weekend after I called Christine Michael in this segment, they activated him to active roster. They brought him out the practice squad. The next week, he got some game time play. Now they're on bye this week. Recently, the coaching staff came out and said they were prepared to, quote, take the reins off Michael. With Dunbar down, Randall and McFadden being, you know, Randall and McFadden, they've got this great line, and nobody's really taking advantage of it, and Michael could be something special. Another guy I mentioned, I mentioned him just last week, Brandon LaFell. He's a patriot. I mean, that's all you got to say. He's arguably on one of the most potent, powerful offenses in the league. Uh, LaFell is eligible to return next week, week seven. He's been on the practice field. Um, they said everything is going right on schedule, and he is designated to return. Uh, LaFell almost had 1,000 yards last year, and with the way Brady is playing there's a little, I want a piece of this offense. I don't care where it is. I want a piece. I've already put him on my bench. If you can afford it, I think LaFell is a great stash. Now, now that we've gone down memory lane and we've chatted and smelled the roses, let's talk a little bit about going forward. Robert Turbin. Who, you might ask? Well, you know him from such backup roles as behind Lynch for many a season in Seattle. Now he's on a Cleveland team where no one has really put their best foot forward. No one has stepped up and claimed that spot. In fact, reports are that Turbin is, could possibly make his debut this week. Crowell is listed as questionable with a toe injury, and let's just face it, Crowell, he's got the talent, but he just hasn't done much. Certainly hasn't done much to solidify his role. They've got a something named Sean Drone, and I know we know who he is, but he hasn't amounted to much. Really, the only running back that has fantasy-worthy is Johnson, who we just talked about, but that's in the passing game. That's in a PPR. He's a guy, Reuben, or Turbin, I'm getting hungry now, Robert Turbin, you could pick up for next to nothing. And you know what? If it doesn't pay out, you drop them, you move on. But there is certainly an opportunity here in Cleveland for this cat to grab it and seize that position. I can stash Robert Turbin. If I've got room, I'm going to make the stash and see what happens in the next week or two. All right. I uh, don't have too much for my stock market plays. I'm not much of a portfolio man, but on my sell high, I, I didn't have much this week. But one thing I think you got to remember, people have these short memories. Uh, I'm going to float an, an offer out there. Um, Andre Johnson, uh, I've got him on a league and I'm telling you what, I'm going to see what people have to say. He's coming off this great game. Personally, it was a revenge game. He was playing with a quarterback that he is not likely to play with for the rest of the season. There's just too many mounds to feed here. I love me some Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton. Johnson just hasn't seemed to get it. Now, sure, is there an opportunity for him to figure it out and claim a piece of the offense? There is, but I think the piece he would claim would just be so small it's not going to translate into fantasy value. 
Float an offer if you're an Andre Johnson owner. See if there's someone out there who wants to capitalize, so they think, on last week's performance. Can't hurt you. Now, my buy low. Uh, two weeks ago, I called John Brown, and lo and behold, his body has had the best two games since. Uh, there was a, a great number fire article on JB's future potential. They were calling for him to break out this week. I was calling for it two weeks ago, and I made a trade for it and was very happy I did. Traded Joseph Randall right after Randall had his uh, one moment in the spotlight. Amazingly, JB is ranking as a fantasy number two. He's rating 24th, uh, 24th best fantasy wide receiver. Arizona has been a machine. They've been coming out of the gates hot. They're putting up a league high 38 points per game. In fact, they've outscored their opponents in the first half 110 to 54. JB's first half receptions 18. Now, obviously, if they're winning, second half game scripts doesn't call for them to keep passing the ball downfield to John Brown. They're going to be running. So here we go. His receptions 18 in the first half so far this season, five in the second half. Fitzgerald, on the other hand, has been the real beneficiary of this. Fitzgerald, because of where his route tree places him, he's running shorter routes, and Palmer's hitting him in the second half. Fitzy has 22 second-half receptions. Now, the Browns have a string of three nice games. They've got Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. I think those defenses are perfect for Brown. I think he could have something of a coming-out party and as long as they don't keep blowing the doors off their opponents, as long as their opponents can stay in it, which I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore and maybe even Cleveland can do, we're going to see Brown be used more. Uh, this defense cannot sustain the turnovers that they've been doing, the scores they've been doing. I think it's going to sort of regress to the middle, and we're going to see Brown. He's been just in very unique situations. His team is doing so well, they haven't called his number. I think that is going to change soon. He's got the talent we saw it the last couple of weeks, and Palmer, mark my words, is going to start taking advantage of it, and I think that happens this week against Pitt. My next buy low candidate. Brace yourself, people. Eddie Lacy. I know, I know, I know what you're saying. In three of his five games, he's finished with less than 11 PPR fantasy points. Now, this reminds me of, oh, I don't know, a year ago, 2014, through his first six games. Lacey, again, only had two games where he amassed more than 11 fantasy points. Lacey finally seems to be healthy now, and I believe he is a great buy-low candidate. This week, he faces Diego, the Bolts, San Diego. There's only one team in the NFL that has given up more fantasy points per game to opposing running backs than the Chargers. Vegas is picking the Pack as the only team to put up over 30 net expected team points. They're picking the Chargers to have the lowest net expected point total of the week. So if all goes according to script, and these Sharps know it better than I do, if all goes according to script, San Diego's going to be down, Green Bay is going to be up, and Green Bay is going to do some clock control and run the ball with Lacey. I think this is the week for him to turn it around. And here's the thing. With buy-low candidates, 
it's a huge gamble. In order to buy low, they've got to be doing poorly, right? It's going to be too late next week if he has a resurgence and people see, hey, he's not as bad as he thought. He went against some hard defenses. Hey, it's just like last year. I really think now is the time to buy on Lacey. He's a consistent guy. Last year at the end, after his rough uh, first six games, he was double-digit fantasy points week in, week out. He was a solid player. He has consistency, and I think you're going to start to see that now week six and on. Here's my tip of the week. Sometimes it's daily, sometimes it's dating advice, and other times it's just something that flies into my head. Now, this week, folks, it's kind of this is part two from last week. You know, I'm always amazed at how reactionary fantasy owners are. In every league, there's always those owners who hit the waiver wire every single week, and they do so multiple times. And before you know it, they turn around and they've got a bunch of one-hit wonders. Keep in mind, when fantasy analysts and, and when Pyromaniac, when we do this stuff and we're bringing up guys you can pick up off the waiver wire, that's assuming you need a guy. That's assuming that you have a place available at the table. That doesn't mean because you had one stud who had a bad week to go out and drop him for one nobody who had a really good week. You got to keep things in proportion, folks. Just because your stud didn't perform doesn't mean you drop him. And just because one guy had a great week doesn't mean you go out and grab him. Now, there are those owners out there. They do this. So, what you want to do, float some trade offers. Float some offers for those studs that have underperformed. Uh, I like to get my trade offers out there right away. Now, last last week, I talked about, uh, you know, kind of understanding that this is a marathon and it's not a sprint, but yet you've got those guys, you got those owners, and if their player didn't perform well, man, they are hot, and they're looking at somebody who did perform well, and somehow fantasy owners think, you know, the more you manage, the more podcasts I listen to, and the more I tinker with my team, the better it's going to be. Well, if you cook it too much, it's not going to come out right. Got to do it just enough. Know when to pull that trigger. So what I like to do is I like to float my trade offers out there on a Sunday night when there's a guy who should be doing better and he has a bum game. That owner could be fuming, those overreactionary guys. You know, they might see the offer just dangling there and have had enough and they boop, hit the button and they jump on it, right? That's that overreaction. I love to have that offer floating there right as the game ends and that offer is still sitting there and they just might say heck it screw it i'm gonna do it get that offer out there early for those guys that underperformed um again this is a marathon it is not a sprint doesn't hurt to dangle folks believe you me got a lot of danglers daily dose just because the following players are coming at you in the dfs section Guys, it doesn't mean you can't do this for streaming and vice versa. So some of the guys I mentioned in the streaming can perfectly viable options in the daily dose for the DFS plays. Uh, same thing here. So some guys here, if you see them on your waiver wire, and again, you've got room at the table, you've got somebody who you do need to cut, here are some good options. So it's not only good for daily, but it's good for redraft as well. 
Now, here's a guy you're not redrafting, certainly, but uh, in DFS plays, this is a cash game play. Go back and listen to a few uh, podcasts ago. I want to say it was week two or um, week two of the season where I was talking about the difference between playing a cash game and playing um, the GPPs. You want to take a more contrarian approach to the GPP and you want to play standard cash. So if I'm playing head-to-head or if I'm playing a double-up, I'm going with what I think is going to be the best. I'm going with the highest rated. I'm looking at dogs' rankings, picking out the highest guys that I can afford, and I'm assembling the best teams. GPP, you want to do the contrarian plays. You want to do a guy who's priced real low, but he's got a great opportunity, and he just might, just might hit it out of the park. If you do, if he does, and you've got that guy, man, that's going to set you up, especially if his ownership percentage was really low that's a gpp play now here's a cash play tom brady right there's gonna be a ton of guys having brady but if you're going in a head-to-head you've only got to be better than 50 percent of the competition tom brady i mean one poor tommy he had to give up his cell phone his name was dragged through the media mud all because of jim ursay and the colts side note to jim ursay if you want to party please contact me now, the Colts, basically responsible for the deflate gate. And here we've got the deflate gate revenge game. Bring it on, Tommy. Colts, Sunday night. America will be watching. Now, aside from Vontae Davis, their cornerbacks are Butler and Toller. They just placed Jaleel Brown on IR so they can be got. Only 13 cornerbacks have a worse coverage rating on PFF than Butler. He's responsible for allowing nearly 90% of all balls thrown his way to go for a completion. Once again, nearly 90% of all the balls thrown Butler's way go for a completion. Brady, he's expensive, not going to lie to you. He's $8,100 on DraftKings. As I said, I believe in the, the revenge narrative. Um, The Colts are allowing 293 passing yards per game. Brady is always a good play in cash. Um, Palmer, this would be a bit more of a GPP here. He has so many weapons at his disposable. uh, No other quarterback tossed more touchdowns so far. 13. No, I say this is GPP. You could certainly do it as cash as well. Um, The 13 uh, touchdowns so far leads the NFL. That said, their opponent this week, Pittsburgh, they've allowed nine passing touchdowns this season. Only five defenses have allowed more. Arizona Cardinals have scored the most points in the league, 190. He faces a Pittsburgh team. They have allowed the ninth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Three of the opposing quarterbacks have put up over 20-point fantasy performances. Palmer... They are on fire. I want pieces of that offense. It's just so high-performing, and he has so many weapons at his disposal. This could be a real high-scoring game. Great, great game script here. Great opportunity. My running back, my DFS running back, certainly Lev Bell, right? Look, he's the most expensive for a reason. Nobody's getting the volume like Bell in both rushing and pass catching out of the backfield, especially in DraftKings. That's the one that I play. One, you don't have to worry about kickers. Two, full point PPR. Lev Bell takes a a step up right there because of that. 
Now, going with more GPP here, right? Lev Bell, he's a cash play. I think Beast East Chris Ivory is a real nice price at 5100 so keep him in mind. But the guy that I'm really kind of like, Eddie Lacy, 6300 I laid down my reasons just a little while ago, and again, 6300 on DraftKings. This week he faces San Diego. Only one NFL team has given up more fantasy points per game to opposing backs. Vegas is picking the Packers as the only team to put up over 30 net points. On the flip side, they're picking the Chargers to have the lowest expected point total of the week. You know when you've got such a wide discrepancy between the winner and the loser, that winning team, once they get up, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball with Lacey and chew up the clock. And what a great team to run the ball against. As I said, only one team is giving up more fantasy points to opposing backs. Now, my wide receiver DFS plays. Can't go wrong with Hopkins. Look, he's leading all wide receivers. The dude's got 74 targets, and he is number one for wide receivers in the red zone. Can't go wrong with Nuke. Now, I think Brandon Marshall is a great play. Dog loves him this week. He's 7,100 on DraftKings. I could see playing him in both cash or GPP. He scored a touchdown or gone for 100 yards in every single game he has played this season. He's received single-digit targets in only one game, and that was week one, and he got nine. Poor guy. Washington is without their two corners, Hall and Culliver. The Jets could eat up that secondary. Um... Price down from there. I'm sticking same team. I'm going with Decker. Now, Decker is another option. If you need to save on some cash, he's only $4,900. $2,200 difference from his cohort in Marshall. All the stuff I just said can basically be said here. Uh, You've got a team that is without their two starting corners, Hall, D'Angelo Hall, and Chris Culver. At 4,900, he's rested. Many folks are overlooking Decker. Uh, you know, he's priced so low. He was injured in week three. And he's only had one game back, and then they had their bye. He's, Decker has scored a touchdown in every game he's played. So I think Marshall's still going to have, a, you know, the better day. But, man, Decker could have a really nice matchup. And at 4,900, I'm loving me the price. If I'm going to match, I'm sorry, stack somebody with Brady, obviously Edelman is a guy to play. Cash games, 7,600. You know, I know there's the fear, the Vontae Davis fear that he's going to be on him. But according to PFF, their projected matchups, from where receivers and secondary have lined up in the past, statistically speaking, Edelman lines up in the slider on the right-hand side most often. Davis... Most often, he's on the defensive right. In other words, the offensive left, not where Edelman has been lining up typically. So, PFF is saying that Vontae is going to probably be on Keyshawn Martin. There's always the fear that he might shadow him, but statistically speaking, it doesn't look like Vontae is going to be on Edelman. Uh, Vegas has this, as I said, as the highest over under 54.5 points. This is part of that revenge game. There is no way Brady and the Pats are taking their foot off the gas. If Elliman at 7,600 is just a bit too much out of your price range, then have I got a deal for you, ladies and gentlemen. 
Amendola. Danny Ammon. He's got a price of 3400 on DraftKings. Butler is on him. Butler gave up 119 yards and a touchdown in Week 1 to Buffalo. He let 100% of the passes that came his way go for a completion. Fast forward to Week 4 versus Jacksonville. Butler let up 134 yards and a touchdown, allowing 10 of 12 passes tossed in his direction to go for a completion. I see Brady tossing the ball all over the field, but I can certainly see him taking advantage of the Amendola-Butler matchup. Um, 3,400. I just want a little slice of that Patriot pie. Another guy I talked about earlier, John Brown, 5,200. He'd be a great stack play with, uh, Palmer. So I've given you a stack play with Palmer and I've given you a stack play with Brady and heck, if you go with Wilson, maybe you got a stack play with Cutler. Um, but Seriously, the one I really like is the Palmer Brown. I also like uh, Brady Amendola. John Brown, 5,200. I mentioned all the reasons to buy low on him, and all that can apply here. He has panned out the last two weeks. He's been looking good. Number Fire is picking him to have a resurgence in the next few weeks, and it all starts here against Pitt. Many are picking Pittsburgh to win, which is great. That should keep Zona slinging the ball. Two. Of the Steelers' safeties left with injury last week and their status is up in the air for week six, that is the kind of gem you want to uncover, right? Once they've priced out everything on DraftKings and you find out there's an injury, there's someone who's stepping up, or defensively there's someone who's playing that's not normally there, that can equate to goodness. And that is what's going on right now with Pittsburgh's secondary. PFF has... John Brown going up against Antoine Blake, whom they rank in the bottom 20 for corners in coverage. Blake, by the way, stands at 5 feet 9 inches. So actually, Brown is one of the rare times he's got a height advantage. Tight end, certainly Gronk, if you can afford it. That's a great stack with Brady. Uh, But one I'm really kind of liking, 4,600, Antonio Gates. Targeted 11 times last week. Now, remember last week was his first week back. He's still got juice in those legs. Uh, He always starts off the seasons really hot, and this is the start to his season. They're 10-point underdogs, so the Chargers will be putting it in the air. They're going to have to if they want to stay in this thing. Two red zone targets last week to Gates, both of which he converted into touchdowns. And they're throwing it on nearly 66% of the time when they make a trip to the red zone. As I said, they're 10-point underdogs. They're going to need to pass, and Lord knows they like to pass even, maybe especially, when they get in close. That's Antonio Gates at 4,600 on DraftKings. Finally, I've got defense special teams. You know, you can take my streamers from before. I mentioned all the reasons I love the Vikings at 2,900. I mentioned all the reasons I like the Bengals at 3,000. At my top here, the Jets, 3100 And folks, this is what I like to do. I like to start off with my higher-priced defense. Uh, I draft the rest of my team. And then if it comes down to it, if I need to shave off $100 here or a little bit of money there, I can go and drop down my defense. So I always kind of start with my defense, start with a higher-priced one, knowing that I can come back because sometimes you're close. I don't care if I leave 800000 cash dollars on the board. That's fine. I don't think, I I think too many people get suckered in to changing their lineups because they didn't use, they've got some money in the bank. 
Who cares? That's just what some schmo has set as a price. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're not uh, putting the best lineup out there. But if you're looking to save a little cash, like I said, I start with a higher defense, and then I can always come back and shave off 100 here, 100 there, because there may be a time when you do use all your budget and you're just close enough to a guy you really want. So I'm like starting with the Jets at 3,100. You can drop down to the Bengals at 3,000, even further down, Vikings at 2,900. The Jets, they face Kirk Cousins. He's tossed only one touchdown in every game so far this year. And he actually has more interceptions, six to five. Of course, they're playing at home and they're favored. Two things that are huge for defenses. You want a home D and you want a defense that is favored to win. You want you also want a quarterback that is turnover prone, hence Kirk Cousins tossing more INTs than touchdowns. Hey folks, we are coming to an end of one fantastic Pyro Light Podcast episode. Once again, this is Friday, October 16th. We're in the midst of week six. Thanks for hanging out with me and my lonely self. As I said, in the weeks to come, guys, I want you to check it out. I'm going to be bringing out Valverde. Uh, I've got some other Pyro special guests lined up that you may not have heard from, but I'm sure you've read some of their stuff. Uh, I got a couple interviews I'm working on, so we're trying to keep it fresh for you. And as always, we're going to be getting back with Stags and Houdini, D-Rex, and Dogmatica, because we are the site that soothes your fantasy football soul. Guys, it is a pleasure as always. We are hardworking and we'd love to do it. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk some game action on Sunday or if you got some questions, once again, at PyromaniacMo, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. It's all letters. If for you pyro pros out there, if there's some guys you want some more news feeds on, let me know and I will pull some strings and work my magic. Folks, until the next time, it's been a pleasure and I will see you on the flip side.